walking and talking and living heaven on earth. That's the purpose of the church. That's what he wants us to do. People often, uh, I'm aside here, but some people say, what's the vision for St. Dionysus? What's your vision? What's the vision? Well, th- there can be no greater vision, I would want to argue, than living sold out for God, flat out for God, with the intention that if I'm working in the city or in Parsons Green or I'm, whatever I'm called to do and wherever I'm called to be, I am called to be a taste of heaven on earth. I, I can think of no greater vision the, the derivatives of that are what we might do with our children or our youth or uh, when we gather as adults, what we might do with this building in terms of the lights and the decor and everything else. Yeah, but that's not the vision. That's a strategy. And it's, it serves the vision of just making God look great so that people get a smell of that and think, I want more of that, I want to taste that, I want to live that. Who are you? What makes you tick? I'm, I'm a foretaste of heaven on earth. Not because of anything I've done. It's not me. It's Christ in me. I'm just trying to get out of the way of what God is doing in me. I'm just trying to give more and more of my life to him. My dreams, my hopes, my fears. Lord, take these and transform them. The church. And here is Paul. Just look across the page. Chapter 4. As he, the sort of second half of this letter it really kind of begins at the start of chapter 4. As a prisoner for the Lord, Paul says, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. You see, life is a gift. We don't earn our way towards God. God gives us this calling, this invitation. Or in the context of this morning's talk, he gives us a proposal. He proposes marriage to us. Some of you ladies here, you'll have had the honor and the privilege to know what that feels like. I'm conscious this is a delicate subject. I'm conscious there are uh, those of us here who've not yet experienced and would love perhaps to have experienced what it is to have been spotted and chosen exclusively, forsaking all others. Will you marry me? Have you ever... (laughs) Have you ever encountered someone who's just got engaged? They've got news to tell you, but you already know what the news is. Have you ever, have you ever encountered an engaged couple who say, oh, we've got something to tell you, and you go, have you really? I've got no idea what that might be. You just know, don't you? Even before they say a word, how do you know? It's just written all over there. They beam, they are radiant. <laughs> I've got something to tell you, says the, the lady. <laughs> sort of twinkling there. Again, forgive me, I know this is a sort of delicate area, but that's, that's something of what God wants us to capture in this image of how he sees us. He has proposed to us all the way through, actually. The relationship of God with his people has always been recognized. A number of themes and metaphors, but one of them concur- recurring is marriage. Read Ezekiel chapter 16. It's deeply moving picture of God walking by and seeing a young girl, recognizing that the young girl is not yet ready for love. And so he waits patiently. But he spied her. And when she is of age, he comments on her beauty, the beauty of her breasts. She's physically beautiful. He is aroused. And he wants nobly, honorably, to make her legitimately his. And so he washes her, he cares for her. Read it, Ezekiel 16. It's a very moving picture. Even more racy is the Song of Songs. 
tell you what, sit down with a cold flannel by the side if you want to get through the Song of Songs. But that is an image of God and his people. It is a racy, kind of steam-inducing description of passion. It's how God feels about us. Interestingly, in the Old Testament in particular, sin, the people's sin, Israel's sin, is often couched in terms of adultery. In other words, that my marriage partner, God says, has been unfaithful and has promised herself to all sorts of other lovers. That's what it feels like. That's, how, that's the, 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 the sin. It's not just one or two naughty things we do. You, you've torn at the very heart of me, says God. God has always seen himself in relationship with his people in the deepest and most intimate terms possible. The church that Jesus wants to build to honor his Father is described in the New Testament as the bride of Christ. We are the bride of Christ. And so here we are with this, um, these kind of two screens going on. Paul is giving practical instruction for Christian living to husbands and wives and children and slaves, to every sort of sector and demarcation of society. But he's referencing all these relationships, and particularly the, the husband-wife relationship, if you like, the groom-bride relationship. He's referencing it always to Christ. So these kind of two, they're sort of, it's not so much two screens, it's almost sort of two threads that are woven together. So he says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What our relationship, our mutual relationship, is done within the context of our, our mutual submission to Christ. So wives, submit yourselves to your husbands as to the Lord. Verse 25, husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The practical marriage relationship on earth is to echo, to mirror the marriage relationship between Christ and his church. When was the last time, can I ask, that you thought of yourself either individually or corporately as a, as a midweek group or as a church here as we gather? When did you last consciously think of yourself as as, as a sort of chosen and beloved and therefore radiant as a bride, let's imagine, on her wedding day. Just to sort of work that analogy, whenever I've talked to uh, ladies preparing for marriage, they've often spent, spent and invested quite a lot of time, ladies in particular, chaps as well, but particularly the ladies, They've often invested quite a bit of time thinking ahead to that day, the wedding day, and to visualizing what they'll look like, to imagining the dress they'll wear. Guess what? They have never, ever, ever imagined themselves looking anything other than perfect. They don't turn up in a raggy dress with a sort of few patches sewn on, or with some mud spatters or stained or ruined. It's never been the image. How, can I ask, how have you imagined yourself as the church? 
How do we imagine ourselves as a church? I've got, I'm going to confess here, I've got a little bugbear. You, you might as well know, if you haven't already worked it out, some of you have. I, 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 one of the things that really gets me is when, is when as a church, we kind of do, when we meet publicly or behind the scenes, and we, we sort of, there's a sort of shrug of the shoulders, it'll do, it's okay, doesn't matter. I, I can get, one of my weeks, I can get perfectionist and nicky-picky, I'm difficult to work with at times. Paul, you must pray for Elizabeth, bless her. <laughs> Trying to work with me because I'm, oh. But I think where it, as I sifted, where it comes from is we are, the, we are the bride of Christ. Actually, if, if there ought to be perfection and complete beauty and complete harmony and complete radiance anywhere, it ought to be, oughtn't it, where the people are gathered seeking to bring heaven on earth. Now, we, we, we make, I make mistakes. <laughs> yeah, I, I am not perfect. Quote me. <laughs> So we make mistakes. God is not finished with us yet. But our aspiration, our dream, our vision, just as a bride dreams of her wedding day, our dream, our vision as a church is that we are a thing of beauty. Not again that we are innately of ourselves beautiful because the fall tells us that we are broken and impaired. But God who is the great, as we've sung, the great healer, the great redeemer, the great restorer, is at work in us. He's the one presenting us to himself, verse 27. And his vision is that we should be radiant, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, holy and blameless. Christ's vision for us. And, and therefore the word for us is to submit to that work. Submit to the work of Christ as, as the wife, if you like, the bride, to submit to Christ as our groom. We, we struggle a little bit with the word submission this day and age, I think. I don't know, I've taken wedding services where um, the couple have wanted this passage read out as one of the readings in the wedding service. And although they may have thought it through, and, and that's what they feel the Lord has, uh, wants for them to read at their wedding service. They maybe haven't briefed all their wedding guests, some of whom aren't regular churchgoers, aren't perhaps versed with the Bible. And, and so in our sort of post-women's lib, post-feminist age, um, we get to words like, um, wives, submit to your husbands as the Lord. And uh, now wives also should submit to their husbands and everything. And I, I kid you not, I've taken services recently where there's been open sort of sniggering and laughing and much sort of nudging of, mm, do you think she's going to, and all that kind of stuff. And so to sort of help the congregation, sometimes I've just slipped in this image of how a wife seeking to submit to her husband, and again, we're making the transfer, the, 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 the um, application, how a church might submit to her Lord. And I said, imagine this. Don't imagine all the imperfections that there may be in your marriage partner. Imagine that, wives, you are giving yourself completely and wholly to a perfect husband. Imagine how that plays out day to day. You've, you've come home from work, and the husband says to you, my darling, you've had a tough day at work. Sit yourself down in this comfy chair. I've plumped the cushions for you. And I bought your favorite magazine. Faye, stop looking at Tom like that. I've brought your favorite magazine. Here it is. I'd like you to read it. 
I've poured you a double gin and tonic, your favorite drink. And I've positioned the chair in front of the television just in case you want to watch the television. And for the whole of the evening, you, my darling, may have the remote control. I'm going to cook supper. I promise I'll follow the recipe. And when I've cooked supper and we've eaten it together, I will wash up and I'll take the bins out at the end of the day. Now, supposing, wives, you had a husband who spoke and treated you like that, spoke to you and treated you like that, would you not want to submit to such love? Would you not want to submit to someone who gave orders and now I sit in that chair, drink that drink, don't lift a finger? I'd follow those orders, wouldn't you? And Paul is wanting to say that, I, acknowledging, I think, that while husbands and wives aren't perfect yet, but this is husbands and wives within the Lord. This is the church in relationship to Christ. The bride to the perfect groom. Who loves us, verse 25, and gave himself up for us, his church. So I want to ask as I finish and we lead on into communion. If you like, an, an invitation, a, a marriage proposal to come and to take part in and to live in this wondrous, as Paul says, mysterious marriage relationship. Do you feel and know yourself to be that chosen? Called into the ultimate marriage relationship. Called by someone who's longing to cleanse you, to perfect you, to make you truly who you are created to be. Not trying to change you into someone else or something else, but just trying to make you fully and truly who you were originally in Christ created to be. To iron out all the wrinkles, to wash away the stains, and through the ministry of his word, by his spirit, to present you as perfect and radiant and truly, deeply loved. That's the image. That's the vision. It's an opportunity as we come and take communion for us by way of sort of ministry, of receiving from the Lord, to, I want to suggest, to come back to our first love. We, we get busy. Things happen. Um, illnesses and job issues, job losses. Uh, there are, money is tight. Sleep is in short supply, perhaps. And, and, and as we meet together, there are a number of tasks to do. We find ourselves on endless rotors. Church becomes a rotor rather than a relationship. I want to just acknowledge that I know a number of you are committed like I've never known in any other church I've served. You are amazing. But I understand sometimes, you know, you know Sunday, what rotor am I on today? <laughs> I know some people who only gather here or come and meet with us when they're on a rotor. They don't know, oh, I'm going to have a Sunday off. I want gently to challenge you. It's the wrong way around. We, we serve out of a heart of knowing that we are loved. If needs be, have a break from a rotor. Step back. 
I, I hate to think that we're gathered here just as a, a collection of obligations. That it's desire rather than duty. That it's worship rather than drudgery. Just a moment of quiet as we prepare for communion. To come back to that time when he first called you, when he wooed you, the Lord. When he saw you as a beautiful being and longed to make you his. Do you remember that time like Peter, when you first recognized who Jesus was? Not just some figure of history, something we, little stories we tell our children. He's real. He's alive. He's calling you into relationship with him. It could just be that there are one or two of us here this morning you didn't realize that. That God has called you into relationship with him. It is in effect to hear him say, whatever your name is, because he knows you by name, in effect, will you marry me? Which is to say, will you commit yourself? Everything that you are, body, soul, and spirit, will you commit yourself first and foremost to me? Yes, I know you're a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or a teacher. Yes, I know there are things you've got to do in life. But will you do it from the basis, from the premise, from the starting point? That you are my beloved and I am yours. As we come to celebrate Holy Communion this morning, uh, we welcome all those who are uh, from any Christian denomination, if you know yourself to be, in some kind of relationship, real personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And please join us at the table as we take the bread and the wine together. Um, I'll be stewards who will uh, invite you forward at the appropriate time. If for whatever reason you don't feel able to take the